Today our scripture comes to us from the gospel of Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, starting with verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the, G- when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Jesus this morning calls us to rise and have no fear. And yet as we look around the world, there is plenty of of fear to be had. Natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes in Turkey and, and Syria, Chinese balloons going over the United States. War in Ukraine, North Korea doing more and more missile tests. And that's nothing to say about our own personal problems of mental health issues or or chronic diseases and, and pain and cancer. Sometimes we can even allow fear to work its way into our Christian walk and the way that we worship. Fearful worship looks something like this. When you come to church on Sunday, you just smile and say everything's good when it's not. When you hide your sins because you're afraid of judgment from somebody else. Fearfully, we hoard our possessions and live out of scarcity. We look at the law and either boast in our self-righteousness or we, we crumble under the weight of our shame and guilt. Fearfully, we hide our faith in our homes and our places of work, our schools, our communities. Fearfully, we focus on our sufferings and get lost in despair. Fearfully, we get confused and focus on the wrong things. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Jesus had said on the Sermon of the Mount that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And with Moses and Elijah, that's exactly who we have here on this mount. Moses, representing the law, and Elijah, the great prophet. And here Jesus is talking with both of them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Now, tent doesn't mean that Peter was inviting Jesus to a men's retreat and camping trip. Whenever you hear the word tent in Scripture, you should go back to the Old Testament and remember tent was a tabernacle, and a tabernacle was not a a place to dwell. It was where God chose to dwell. It was the portable temple. And so what Peter is saying is here is, Jesus, this is outrageously cool. I want to build a temple for you. I want to build a temple for Moses. I want to build a temple for Elijah. How does that sound? Hmm. See, Moses and Elijah were not meant to be worshipped. Only Jesus is worthy of our worship. 
Moses and Elijah are not supposed to be idols, and, and our, our human hearts are idol-making factories, right? We rely so much on other things apart from God that we place our, our happiness in or our security in. Peter was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. This cloud just forms around them. And a voice in the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The bright cloud is the glory presence of God, just like the the bright cloud as a pillar led Israel through the wandering wilderness for 40 years. The pillar of, of God, this cloud of God, is what joined Moses on Mount Sinai delivering the commandments. You can, almost hear, you can almost hear Peter slowing his speech as this cloud begins to accumulate around him, right? Something like, Lord, it's good that we were here. If you wish, I'll build three temples, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And this cloud is fully formed, and the voice of God speaks. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him important that we take time to listen to God, right? We, we, we all know we need to carve out more time in our life to, to, to read scripture more often and to pray more often, but even, even in addition to those things, it's important that we have calm, quiet time where we can listen to God's guidance, to seek his discernment, to hear his wisdom, spent a fair amount of time in the last couple of weeks just being quiet with God and listening. God, what would you have me do? It takes intentionality, time, and patience to do something like this. It doesn't just happen by accident. In this busy, frenetic world, there's so much going on that's constantly competing for our attention. Now in the presence of this full glory of God, Jesus radiating the glory of God, the disciples fell on their faces and were terrified because the fullness of God's glory is petrifying to anybody who has a trace of sin left in their bodies. This happened all the way from the very beginning when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and realized their nakedness and became ashamed and hid from God. You see, to be confronted hot red-handed is a petrifying experience when someone in authority catches you doing something wrong, right? Your, your heart drops, your vision narrows, time slows down, dread washes over you. It's a, it can be a life-altering moment, but when that person in authority that caught you red-handed is none other than God himself, then you can't prostrate yourself fast enough in front of him. This fear of God. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. This transfigured is in Greek is this word that we use, the English word metamorphosis. Right? And if you're an entomologist, I'll break out my nerdy words. Entomologist is somebody who studies bugs. I was, by the way, boasting moment, uh, 4-H state grand champion entomology guy right here. Yeah, some people had cool things like, like rabbits and cows, and I had dead bugs. 
but you have different life stages of an insect, right? You, you start as an egg, then a larva, and then a pupa, and then it transforms. It's different looking every step along the way. Jesus is showing what he looks like on the last day, right? When he comes in riding on the clouds, victorious king to return to bring us all to be with him, that's what he looked like in that day, and it was overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. Jesus gives them a glimpse of the glory of God. And I don't think we can fully grasp what that means, right? To see God, we can read these words this morning, and we can picture in our mind what that might have looked like, and we can trust and believe it to be absolutely rock-solid truth, but to be basking in the glory of God, to have his glory wash over you. I think that's only something we can just try to imagine. And yet at the same time, we get glimpses of it today. Every time that we bring someone to the waters of baptism, the glory of God in all of its fullness is right there. Moments from now when we receive the bread and the wine, the very real presence of Jesus' body and blood, we have the fullness of God's glory contained right there. We just don't have eyes to see it just yet. But one day we will, and that basking in God's glory will be beyond our imagination. The disciples fell down out of fear. I think sometimes we as the church can lose what it means when we think about fearing God. Now, as, as good Lutherans who've gone to catechism, we understand that we are to fear, love, and trust in God. And that fear, sometimes we like to, to backpedal a little bit. I mean, well, it's just a reverence. It's just an awe over how big and mighty he is. But it has to be so much more than that. Right? Right? Without encountering him in, in all of his fullness, as Peter, James, and John did that day, well, honestly, sometimes it's easy just to let that fear somehow be muted going through all kinds of religious rituals. Sometimes it can be lost in a really catchy contemporary song. If we envision, when you think about Jesus, if you envision a good shepherd or a merciful friend, or even somebody who loved you enough to go to the cross to die for you. And while all of those are true, that doesn't even begin to capture the fullness of who he is. Then, now, and, and eternity. Right? To, it's easy to miss the pure divinity, the powerful lion, the voice that spoke the world into existence, the one who will deliver terrible judgment, the fullness of the one who broke the skies and rained down a flood of judgment that killed all but eight people. To be toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan and to conquer even death itself and rose victorious. See, this is no mere man. This is no mere prophet. This is not a man of God. This is God wrapped up in humanity. And Jesus, in this condition, reaches down and touches Peter and says, Rise, do not be afraid. That touch would be an immediate interruption of Peter's terror, an immediate signal to refocus. See, Jesus' touch draws us out of fear, and he lifts us up. We are to humble ourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And the command that Jesus offers to rise and not be afraid, it implies a change, a metamorphosis, a transfiguration a change in the condition of their being. 
And Jesus has the power and authority to call us to rise because he was lifted up to the cross. He was risen out of the grave. He ascended up into heaven and promises to call us to rise on the last day. But it's not just something we have to wait for because he's also calling you to rise up today, to experience a change, to experience his glory, and to not let it leave you the same. How, how would we respond? Instead of saying, well, Jesus, let me, build, let me build a temple for you and for Moses and Elijah, what would be a faith-filled, not a fear-filled, but a faith-filled response would be to do what God has created us to do from the very, very beginning. If you want to know your purpose, your mission in life, it's to glorify God. That's why he made you, was to glorify him. And we do that as we worship, as we praise, as we live our life in a way that reflects what it is that we believe. It's a transformed life. God is calling you to transformation, to metamorphosis, to experience your own transfiguration, to experience a changed life of freedom, joy, sacrifice, and renewal, and to be able to face the fears head on. It's not like this Christian walk enables you to have no fears ever again or any struggles ever again, but to face them all with the power of the cross in the empty tomb. To journey from this glorious mountain of the transfiguration into the valley of Lent to the cross. See, today we celebrate freedom and joy. Throughout Lent, we'll embrace a life of sacrifice. And on Easter, a life of renewal. And when you change your mindset to this, when you fix this as your worldview, it needs to be empowered by God. And he pours out this moment for you to encounter and experience change in your life. And it usually starts off with some kind of event that rocks your world, that, that no longer your worldview no longer fits with your current reality, and you're forced to stretch and grow into something bigger and something better. That's exactly what Jesus did with these disciples, Peter, James, and John, and then the rest of the 12 apostles, and then the church after that, is they experienced a life altering moment at the crucifixion of Jesus where their conquering hero died and then rose again and that that moment in time changed who they were but there was development the Holy Spirit pouring onto them in Pentecost enabling equipping and empowering them to no longer be fishermen no longer be tax collectors but to be apostles sent out into the world to speak the light of Christ and the love of Jesus into the communities where they walked. We are called to encounter change. Right? To see the problems and the sufferings in this life, not as distractions, but as metamorphosis moments that God is busy shaping, strengthening, and equipping us for the changes that he has to come. We can embrace them. We can do, even as Paul says, we can rejoice in these sufferings. Because suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope never disappoints. If you are struggling in something today, I want you to know you can thank God for that. Because he is using it to bring incredible change into your life. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the, the gift of the transfiguration, the glimpse 
and the glimmer of your hope and your, your, the fullness of your glory, which gives us courage to walk through the, the season of Lent, to know that we have nothing to fear. Pray that you would rise us up for those who are poised for a moment of transformation and change, that you would equip them with your Holy Spirit to do and experience just that. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.